I appreciated Brennan highlighting what he talked about last week in prayer. Being consciously connected to God as we move about is really what missions is all about. Because we've got this connection to Houston, if you will, kind of mission control. Um, We as individuals have a sense as we move about in our individual world, as we get out, and, and as we move through our neighborhood, so not just in our own individual word, but neighborhoods, cities. Each one of us has a part in impacting the world for Christ. That's really what missions is about, is being consciously connected to our Lord as we walk through our day. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is, is that kind of idea. I'm going to start my clock, so I'm a good boy. And don't keep you here all day. So open your Bibles, if you would to Luke 10, and um, we're going to read a passage, then I have a question for you, and then we'll start to unpack the passage. Can we do that? Luke 10, starting in verse 1. After this, so we're going to want to put that on the workbench. After what? We want to go back and figure out what that's about. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. We want to put that on the workbench too because that's important. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give to you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. So, we're going to stop there and begin to dig into this idea because where this all started was when Brendan stepped into the senior role, um, one of the things that came up in conversation was this idea of a blank sheet of paper. Do you remember that? And so people were naturally asking the question, well, Brennan, what's on that paper? And so the whole goal of the series is to talk to you about where we're going and how you can buy in. And I was starting to think about this in terms of missions and asking myself, you know, why, why is it in my own life that I don't buy in in a better way with missions? Because I, I have to say, I, I'm not happy with my grade report when I think about living missionally and doing this. And I, I, the reason I came up with was I think there's some serious misunderstandings about missions in general. What, is it, what does it mean? And, and I think these misunderstandings, they happened even back in the book when Jesus was right there with his students. There were these misunderstandings that were perpetuating. So let me give you an idea of what these characters were doing that were following Jesus when he was here walking the earth. Go back to chapter 9, because remember I said put after this on the workbench. Remember that? So there's something happening sequentially here. And we know that in Luke 9, in the beginning of that chapter, the Lord sent out the 12. And now in the beginning of chapter 10, he's sending out the 72. And it's after something happens. Well, let's go back in there and take a look at some of their misunderstandings. So... Here's the first misunderstanding they had. It's the one of us misunderstanding. Look at chapter 9, verse 49. John comes. He says, Master, 
We saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. This still exists today. The one of us concept. You know, when I worked in Miami in the inner city, there were certain parts of the city and certain parts in the prison ministry that we did that we weren't supposed to go because other churches had them. And that's alive and well, unfortunately, in the church. It's alive and well here. Oh, they're not one of us. They're not good Lutherans or da-da-da-da-da, you know? And it's like Jesus goes, no, look at verse 50. Don't stop him, for whoever's not against you is for you. Bam, he deals with a misunderstanding. Then get this one. This is still alive and well, too. It says in verse 52, he sent messengers on ahead who went into the Samaritan villages to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, remember the sons of thunder? Get this. When they saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? Really? That's the kind of missional effort you have? It's like you either turn or burn. And that's, that's a misunderstanding. That's not God's heart. You know, either you come in now or I'm going to fry you. Because each morning his mercies are new. And the Lord says, hey, sons of thunder, take off your leather jackets and get off your motorcycles, man. Chill out and let's move on. So there's a misunderstanding represented there. It's still alive and well. We see it. And then at the close of the chapter, you see various excuses. There's one fellow that says, verse 57, he says, Hey, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, listen, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And apparently the guy just said, "Uh, this is all in me. I mean, if there's not at least a Motel 6, I'm not going. Then the next guy, uh, he turns to and he calls. He says, follow me. And he says, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And it's, it sounds harsh what Jesus says. He says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. But what he's dealing with is the heart of, of the excuse making. Do you, you see, and there's another one that happens. We don't need to go into that. I want you to see this, though. If we say yes to Jesus' call to being missionaries, which everyone in this room is called to, if we say yes to this, it will mean that we will have inconveniences. We will have interruptions. Because in the chapter, in chapter 10 that we're studying, if you go there, it's the famous story of the guy who gets beaten up and he's left for dead. And a priest and a Levite go by, and they're too busy to help him, right? Because the question is, who is my neighbor then? And Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. He says, it's not the priest. He thinks he's doing my business, but he's not. It's not the Levite. He missed it. Drew right by in his Corvette. It's the Samaritan that stops and, and practically cares for this man. That's an interruption. And you're going to see the glory of those, but I want you to see that Jesus begins to deal with misunderstandings. And he begins to disassemble some of our arguments because we're missing out on what is the heart of God as he works through now, we have our own versions of misunderstandings in our current culture. And there's probably the paramount one is when I say missions, and you hear me talk, you go, oh, you're really saying evangelism, Mark. There it is. It's the E word, which we all freak out in churches when you use the E word. He said evangelism. 
Because what, what happens when you hear the E word is you immediately think that what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you out like these guys. I want all you guys to go home, get out your white shirts and your ties, and you're going to go knocking on doors, and we're going to do this evangelism thing because that's what mission work is all about. In seminary, we had a mission class, and it was interesting. We were talking about stories kind of like this. And these two guys uh, were going to seminary. They're longtime friends, and they, they told a really funny story about this whole idea of going door to door. Because the church that they were raised in, that's what they said. Missions means going out on the street. You knock on doors, expect to be rejected, but you've got to be faithful to go out there because the Lord was rejected. You'll be rejected. Get out there and win one for the gipper. And so off they went, you know. And they told this story. They went up to this house. They knock on the door. And this lady answers it. And as soon as she opens the door, she read it. She read the situation. She's like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And she went to slam the door. But when she slammed the door, it recoiled and reopened. And she thought these guys were sticking a foot in the door. So like, she goes, I told you. I don't want you around. And she slams the door a second time. And it recoils a second time. And she goes, I told you guys, get out of it. And she gets ready to slam it a third time. And she goes, wait, 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 wait. Lady, listen. Before you slam it a third time, you might want to move the cat. <laughs> Sorry, all you cat lovers. And, of course, the question in class was then, you know, it's like, what happened to the cat? I said, amazingly, the cat was okay. But, you see, the lady misunderstood why they were there. They weren't there to beat her into submission. And they misunderstood in some respect. I mean, maybe God was calling them to do the two-by-two knock on doors. But mission work, what Jesus is talking about in Luke 10, is much, much bigger than just that. And I think as we unpack chapter 10, we're going to start to hear the invitation and the encouragement that comes as we step into what Jesus is asking us to do. So, Talking about these misunderstandings, I want to just lay out and get some uh, fresh on the table here some things that I think that prevent us from entering in. And there are our own misunderstandings. I think one of the big misunderstandings when we start talking about doing this thing called missions is we think it's reserved for people who are missionaries. You know, we're going to, we'll, we'll elect some people to go and we're going to send them to Africa. And there, we did it. Or we think that it's all about the professionals. Remember this guy here? Billy Graham. So if we're going to get evangelism to happen, we're going to get a big stadium. And we'll get a big trained professional who will come in and give a big sermon that will get big response. That's what we do. But that's not what Jesus is intending to happen here. You see, in Luke 9, he sends out the 12, the apostles. But in Luke 10... He sends out 72 normal, everyday Joes and Janes. You and me. They're not apostles. They're everyday people. And the Lord of the harvest is saying, listen, if you're breathing and you're willing, go. I want you to get out there and do the work. They're not these highly trained professionals. They're normal, everyday folk. We've got to see that Jesus wants to win the world, not through the trained professionals, but through you and me. Everyday Joes and Janes. That's what it's about. Everyone get in the pool. Hop in. Let's do this. You know, I was thinking about Billy Graham, and there's a funny story that he tells when he was going to do a crusade. 
in Canada, his flights got changed and he arrived earlier than planned. And they had originally arranged this big crusade that they'd have another preacher preach in the opening night and then Billy Graham would come for three nights afterwards. But he decided since he was there early, he'd go to the crusade and he would just sit with the people on the grass. And so he was sitting there and listening to the message and he was noticing this older gentleman off uh, just right in front of him. And every time he looked at him, he just he felt his heart move towards him. So the preacher is wrapping up. He, he gives the invitation for the altar call. And Billy Graham feels compelled to lean forward and say to this older gentleman, he says, you know, sir, do you feel stirred to go forward because I'd be honored to go with you? And the guy looked back at Billy Graham and he goes, nah, not tonight. I'm going to wait until tomorrow night when the big gun gets in town. <laughs> Well, the big gun is in town. And you and I are called to be big guns because we're walking with the biggest gun, Jesus. He wants to use all of us. That's what the 72 is about. Another misunderstanding that we have that takes us away from what Jesus is intending is we think we need to be spiritual Rambos. We've got to go out there on our own and somehow we just got to blast them with gospel bullets and we're going to take them down one by one. And it really, it happens. I don't know about you guys, but when I look out over this crowd, I know a lot of you folks have been in churches for a long time. And I I did the routine. I mean, I was surprised. I'd only come to Christ for a little bit more than a year. And I walked in one day to to church, and I walked over to the bulletin board to see what was on the bulletin board. And there was a new flow chart. And in the flow chart, I was the church evangelist. And no one had told me. But somehow I was appointed, and I looked at it, and I asked Pastor Gary. I said, Gary, what's up with this? And he goes, oh, you're the guy who's always going out, doing it. Well, I thought that's what you were supposed to do. But, you know, after a while, you start to feel like you're the only guy going out. And you start to forget that God goes out with you, that God wants to send you out two by two. In fact, he'd like to send you, most times he was sending him out by 12, right? Because the 12 were following him wherever he went. And so we have to get rid of this ramble notion that we're going to somehow grunt it out on our own, that we're going to get it done. Because in Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, he wraps it all up by saying this, I am with you always. Always. You're never alone. And in moments when good missiology needs to happen, where the kingdom of God is is surging into a moment, and you're there, a lot of times you wonder, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Remember, he is with you. And oftentimes, we need to get strength by being with one another as we do missionary. And as we move through our life, we need to work together. It's like working together on the farm. I grew up in high school with a bunch of dairy farmers, and it was a family affair. In fact, if you went over to the farm to pick up your buddy, you're likely to get called into the milk house to do the milking before your buddy can leave. It's a family deal. And Jesus' idea of mission is about him being with you always and you being with each other. That's why it's two by two. That's why it's 12. That's why it's 72. Get out there as extended family and do it. So we need to deal a blow to that misconception. This next misconception that we have alive today is a big one. And it's this idea, this thought that no one's really interested in Jesus. Oh, I would tell them, Mark, but they're not really interested. But the reality in Luke 10 is God is always working. He's always drawing. The Lord says plainly, the harvest is plentiful. 
There's people everywhere. In fact, I would say this, that in over 30 years of ministry, I think there are more people ready for Christ now than when I started in ministry. You might be surprised by that. The difference is, though, if you go in and you begin to hit them with the hit-and-run tactics or with the Rambo idea, and you're just telling them, turn or burn, and you're giving them that hard message, and there's no relationship, you'll lose them. Because they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's the idea that Jesus is saying. Go into the towns. Stay with the people. Eat with them. Talk with them. Live life with them. People are really starving for that. I told you about when I was in Vancouver, so many people would tell me, Vancouver is such a lonely place. These are believers, so I'd say, what is God doing in your life? What is he calling you to do to make it an unlonely place? They're like, we hadn't thought about that. I said, well, sometimes when you want a friend, just go out and be a friend. Lo and behold, you'll have friends. So what Jesus says is really important, and this is a highlight for us to get out of the text. He says in Luke 10, and it sounds strange to us. Let me read it to you again. He says, listen, don't greet anybody on the road, which sounds kind of weird if we're going to go out and do missions work. He says this instead. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give, for the worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. Now, it's this idea of a person of peace or a place of peace. So for Brendan and I, we have different places. You know, we always talk about food, so we find good places to serve good food. But we also look for the peace of the Lord. So we don't just want good food. We want a sense of being sent there by the Lord. And when we need coffee, we just go down to this caribou all the time. We could go to Dunn Brothers or we could go to another caribou. We go to that caribou because we want to be known there. And we go there and we talk to the workers and we develop relationship. And, you know, no, we, we haven't led anyone to Christ at this point in time. But when you walk in that store, they know who we are. They especially know who Brendan is. I have to get him to settle down. But, you know, we, we're familiar faces. They get to know you. And, you know, several years ago, I was studying the idea of social proximity. And just by being in a place consistently, your likelihood of developing a friendship with people in that same place is tripled. Just be there. Just be there. What Jesus is saying, just be there. So a lot of times why we feel like this mission stuff, this evangelism stuff, Mark, it drives me crazy, is we lose sight of we are sent to certain places. Or people, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it direct you to who you connect with and who you talk with. And practice what Jesus says in Luke 10, because when he says, send your peace out, in American vernacular, what that would mean is, it would sound kind of like this. Hey God, are you here? Yeah, that's a confirmation, maybe. Sorry. My bad. But it really is this idea of getting a sense, Lord, is, are you here? Is this, is this where you want us? And you're, you're sending it out. And if there's a sense of, yes, this is it, then that's your place. That's where you station down. Because 
The, the last misunderstanding is a big one. It's this idea that we need to hit and run, that we need to just kind of zoom in, and if we can just get the gospel out to the person, then we can zoom away, and there it is. But Jesus is really clear. I want you to go to a house that's a, a house, a place of peace, and stay. Be there. Let people get to know you. Let them see your life. And when they see that, then questions emerge. So for, for me, with, with my dad, you know, ever, I've been a Christian for 32, a little bit more than 32 years. And um, I began immediately praying for my dad day after day after day. But it blew my dad's mind, first of all, that I, I was really a Christian. He thought, ah, this is just, you know, Mark. He gets into stuff and he goes 200% and it, he'll burn out. But after 10 years, he started to wonder. After 20 years, he's like, I don't know. This really isn't like Mark to stay with something like this. And he was watching. And at the end of his life, he began to see that the same God that worked in my life to bring the change was available to work in his life. But he needed to see it. And I was so frustrated that he didn't come to Christ sooner. But man, I'm so grateful that he did when he did. I'm so grateful that I'll see him again. But the reality was he needed to watch my life. And I needed to let him see it. And I didn't live it perfectly. I have to tell you that. Boy, I did. I said some things. I did some things that were not the best things to do. But in our mission practice here, we need to see, God, where are you sending me? I'm going to station down here. This is, this is it. Recognizing the people of peace that are there. And let them get to see your life, to know you. Ask questions. Connect with you. That's what Jesus is calling missions work. And so I wanted to give you some idea here of what we can do. You know, because if, if the question is, okay, are we going to buy into this missions idea? There's some things that we do to say that we have bought in. There's some practices or there's a way that we posture ourselves if we say yes. Yes, Lord. I hear what you're saying in Luke 10, Matthew 28, Luke 9. I hear that and I say yes. The first thing that you need to be if you're in is be available. Say, Lord, I'm here. I'm yours. If you want to use me, that's great. And so the trick here is being consciously connected. I really appreciated Brendan saying that. And I've been working on it because I... I realize in my life that I get up in the morning and I consciously connect with God. Do you guys do morning devotions, most of you? Yep. And you're taking this effort, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm connecting with you. But here I am, a pastor, and I've been a pastor for a long time, but an hour later, I can, I can be unconscious of God. It's not like I'm doing naughty stuff either, so don't worry. It's not like, Mark, what are you doing? But, you know, um, I, can, I can be driving down the road. It happens to be a lot on the road. I'm not conscious of God's presence. And, and someone, you know, makes me conscious of my um, mortality by cutting me off. And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm reacting, not out of a place of peace, but I'm reacting because I'm not conscious of God. I can, I can be going along even in a day at work here in church and all of a sudden realize, like, you know what? I really have not been asking, Lord, where are you? What are you doing, Lord, in this? I've just been kind of doing my thing. Does that happen to you guys? And so 
part of what we need to do is to say, Lord, I'm available. And so I've been looking for different places that I can check in with God and say, here I am, Lord, whatever you want to do. But it always starts by first saying, I'm available. The second thing we need to do is be watchful. God's at work. This is not some kind of a philosophy or ethereal concept. There is a Lord of the harvest right now at work. There's a Lord of the harvest in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your school. And that Lord of the harvest is drawing people to him. He's he's literally died so they can know him. And he is moving ahead of you as you move into your situation. The question is, are we watching what he's doing? Because the Jesus rhythm was always to say, I always watch for what my father's doing and join him. That's what I do. And in order for us to do that, we have to be available and we have to be watchful. And what helps us in that practice is to be together in this journey. It's to say, you know what, Lord? It's not just me being Rambo. It's how do we figure out how do we do this as a church? How do we do this as a small group? How do we do this as a family or a couple? Or how do we do this as friends? And I was thinking about at Bridgewood, over the years that I've been on the advisory board and then here on staff, I think one of the most talked about times when I've talked to people about doing stuff together was when you guys did 40 days of community. And and the idea was get everybody in a small group, and your small groups decided where are we going to minister? Where are we going to serve together? And I heard so many stories from so many people about different group experiences where you did missions work together. And there's strength in numbers. There's this idea of feeling its connection and um, encouragement that flows as you go and as you be with other people. And I'm not just talking about running around knocking on doors. I remember when we started the church harvest in New Brighton, one of the things that we did is we, we did um, just, we called it servant evangelism. And sometimes we'd go out and we'd give cold drinks at baseball, little, little, league, little league games to people on hot summer days. Imagine that, hot summer days. They actually happen here. And we did, we did weird stuff. We would go to houses with light bulbs and say, hey, you know, you need a light bulb. And they'd look at us like, why are you giving away light bulbs? I don't know. Sometimes you need a light bulb and you don't have one. So here, have a light bulb. And we'd rake lawns. We did, and, and so some people sometimes would say, you know, Mark, why are we doing this? I said, we just need to be out. And we need to be out together and be people. Well, I'm, two things stand out my, in the, during that season. One time I was walking in a store and it's, it's the closest I'll ever feel like being Paul McCartney. Because I walked down this aisle, and first I noticed this lady's head. It went up like this, and then she looked at me, and she literally kind of shuffled fast. She goes, hey, 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 hey. I said, no, I'm not Paul McCartney. No, I didn't say that, but I thought that. She said, you're that guy. I said, hey, yeah, I'm, what do you mean I'm that guy? <laughs> like, am I that guy? No, I'm not that guy. Yeah, what do you mean? She goes, no, 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 you're, the, you're that guy. You're that guy that gives away stuff. And I said, oh, yeah. She goes, why do you give away stuff? I said, because Jesus gives away a lot of good stuff. She goes, oh, I never really thought about that, but that's true. We had a conversation. There's another time where some people just reticently went to rake leaves, because sometimes we do it on Sunday. We just say, Sunday, everyone bring dress for raking leaves, come with rakes, and we're going to pray together, and then we're going to go out, we're going to find yards that have leaves, and we're going to rake them to the glory of God. 
this, we had some students that were like, you know, we do enough work, and they're marching out. But they went, long story short, they're at this house, and all of a sudden the lady comes running out after she gave them permission to rake. She goes, help, help. And her husband had surgery, some kind of heart surgery, I think, and he was hemorrhaging. And so, they, you know, the ambulance is coming, this lady's packed. So they said, well, we'll gladly pray. So some people were praying with her. Some people went and prayed for the husband. And when they prayed for the husband, the, the issue stopped. The Lord moved. Wow, I was right. I mean, these are college students that didn't want to go do this. They go, Mark, we never thought raking leaves could be so cool. I said, exactly. You were just there, and the Lord of the harvest led you into a situation. See that? And you were together. How cool is that? So the last thing that we need to really learn to be is to be free. Because be, sometimes we think we, in order for it to be successful and to be called missions, it's got to go from A to Z. And you, you get the gospel out there and they respond. And there, that's real missions work. But it's much bigger than that. Think about the process of Jesus moving through. In fact, think about how often Jesus would not say who he was. Does that weird you out when you read that? It's like, Lord, why don't you like have a, a big billboard out in front? Jesus is coming, get ready, you know. John the Baptist was kind of that. But, so, but, but why? It's process. The Lord wants relationship developed in order for good mission, and we need to be free in that. So I was thinking about this even as we were coming back to Colorado, and you know, part of what I've been doing to just say I'm available is I try to find things that I do, like I'm sitting down. So whenever I sit down now, that's my chance to check in with the Lord and say, Lord, what are you doing? I'm here. Otherwise, I lose track. Maybe you guys are better at it than me. But if I, So at meals now, I'm trying to really stop and not just say a quick grace and shove a cheeseburger in my face. I'm trying to say, Lord, where are you? And consciously connect with God. So I sat down on the plane next to the window seat. And, and did that. I said, Lord, where are you? And then Ben sat down in the middle seat. We sat down there for a little while. And then this um, woman sat down next to him who had come walking on with a cane. And as soon as she sat down, I, I felt something stir in my heart. So let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. I thought, I need to pay attention. And then the plane took off and I fell asleep. <laughs> Hoping to get a dream from God or something like that. So I'm not like Mr. Super Good at this. But I woke, up from, I woke up from there, and I could hear that Ben and her had been talking. And she must have asked Ben something, and Ben shared that he'd had this surgery. And, and then she shared. And she, this woman, she's, we were guessing 72. I think, I think when she was 71, she, she grew up in Wyoming, at Jackson Hole. Think skiing. A 71-year-old woman skiing, she broke both of her femurs. Ow! I mean, that's the worst break to have happen. Both! And then she goes, yeah, I knew they were broken because my foot was facing the wrong way. And you just go, oh! Oh! And she was just this little old thing. Wasn't she been just a really nice, grandmotherly lady? And you know, so I asked her a few questions, and my kids are always teasing me about shoes. But what I'm really doing there is I'm fishing. What's going to happen in this conversation? Because I have a strange piece and it's, it's just, I'm just going to see what happens. But nothing happened on the plane. We land the plane. We get off the plane. Say, wish you well visiting your sisters. So nice to meet you. We go down and get our baggage. And as we're there, she comes walking down with her cane. And I'm thinking, oh, she shouldn't pick up these bags by herself. 
So I, I say, listen, would you mind if I help you get your bags? And it's, you know, anyone that's skiing when they're 71 is pretty self-reliant. She's like, mm. And I said, no, really, I just want to help. So I, I help her get her bags. At the same time, I'm asking, Lord, what are you doing? And we're just having a conversation, and I get her bags, and um, nothing really deep happens. And I, I just finish, and I, I say, well, you know, bless your trip here, and nice to meet you, and, and that's it. But I'm, I'm, I'm on mission, and I might be part of the chain. In fact, studies show that in order for someone to really hear the full presentation of a gospel, usually there's been 10 to 12 encounters that preface that, and it lays the groundwork for a deeper conversation. And I, I could have maybe pushed it, but I didn't have peace about that. And when I was thinking about this, because I was doing this sermon, I was thinking about when I was planning the church in River Falls, my boss, Ken Olson at that time, was a guy who was not into church. In fact, when we, I told him, or I asked him, I said, Ken, we're also here to plan a church. Would you mind if we met for Bible study in my apartment? And he said, well, I can't tell you no, but I wish I could because I don't believe in your God. I don't like your God. So that's where he was. And so for the next year, I, Betsy and I were praying for Ken. We were looking to serve him in any way we can. We just kept watching, God, what are you doing in his life? But after that year, I was off campus, and I, I didn't know. I just thought I was part of the chain. Two years later, my friend calls me, who was a close friend on campus, and she says, Mark, guess what? What? She goes, Ken came to Christ. And I said, really? And then she told me, at the end of the school year, before I left, we were taking some students down to the river to baptize them. And Ken was an avid trout fisherman. And we were baptizing these students, and Ken came around. And I, I didn't know he was there. Betsy told me later he was there. And he watched from around the bed. He watched as we baptized. And this friend who was now calling me two years later saying that he'd come to Christ, she said, you know what happened? I said, no, what happened? She goes, he brought up to me that time that he watched you baptizing students, and he said, why do you baptize? And when I started talking about baptism, he started asking questions about, can Jesus really forgive my sins? And bam, she led him to Christ. I was just part of the chain. But I was part of it, right? And you can be part of it. We all need to be part of it. Because Jesus is sending out the 72, not the pros. He's sending us out, the everyday Joes and Janes. And so to finish up today... I thought it'd be appropriate for us to watch this little clip of this wonderful lady who, who's a bus driver, but she's a bus driver for Jesus. She's such a good bus driver for Jesus that she wound up on the front page, a three-page article in the San Francisco Chronicle. And it was just story after story about how people now will only ride her bus, and they want to get to know her. And so this woman, Linda Wilson Allen, you're going to meet now, and then we're going to close with prayer. But watch as she does the Jesus mission thing. All the places you'll go. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if Linda could be here to bless us this morning? And she is. Would you welcome up Linda Wilson-Allen right now? Come on up here. Glory to God. Oh, I love him today. 
I feel like I'm standing next to an angel. Oh, my goodness. Amen. Amen. So, uh, this has just been the coolest. I got to tell you about Linda. You know, we thought this would be such a cool thing to do and asked if you could come. And she's here all morning. She couldn't come yesterday because her daughter was graduating with a BA in Sacramento. So she actually came to our church yesterday morning. We filmed the video. She drove to Sacramento and then came all the way back out to be here with us. And your daughter, Linda, is here My also. And Linda's we're so here. honored to have you as well. Thank you so much for coming. Now, Amen. You know, you know, everybody here, and we know what it's like to, you know, work, whether it's volunteer for a paycheck and struggle with our attitudes and kind of grumble. How does your faith with Jesus, how in the world has this happened? How does that affect your attitude when you work the way that it does? Amen. Um, first of all, we know we have to have the Lord Jesus in our life. Amen. We have to have the Lord mm-hmm. Jesus in our life. And it Excuse comes- me for just one second. Every once in a while, Linda will say amen. <laughs> and then... You're supposed to kind of say something back. Every once in a while, use discernment. Amen. Otherwise, she's going to think you're not listening and it's just going to be ugly to disconnect. I don't expect that. I understand you never do that for me, but this is our guest. So every once in a while. Okay. Amen. Yeah. So, you know, amen. I, um, I love the Lord. And when the Lord came into my life, he changed me from the inside out. And so my prayer life is my communication with him, as we know. And so he um, works on my attitude. He works on those things for him to reflect in my life. And you really do get up at 2.30 in the morning to pray? I get up at 2.30. Amen. 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 <laughs> Be careful about that one, guys. Yeah. Amen. And yeah. so we talk. And so um, when I ask God to show me my life, and, and so he shows me my life, and so he put things in front of us, and so it could be working on my patience, or it, it could be uh, uh, someone less fortunate to, than I am to give them some shoes, or whatever the case may be. Only you know. You know, because he'll show you. And so that's where my kindness comes from. And, and when you're actually on the bus, everything's going on there, do you ever pray? When you're driving, when yes. you're at work. Amen. Um, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> when, when, yes. And so when, when, when I'm out there doing my job and um, ministering, I call it ministering to God's people. Amen. And so you see things. God will show you things. He will show you the senior who's having a rough time, a hard time getting up on that coach and how to take it in there real gentle and set it down right in front of her. He'll teach you, though. He'll teach you the one that's in the back who might not have all their fare, and he'll say, you know, maybe you should just pay what they can. He'll teach you these things. So he just, he just shows you. Amen. He just shows you. So he let your light shine that others might see your good works. Yep. There's that old song, This Little Light of Mine. This Ooh. Little Light of Mine. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And that's where... Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful picture. And I just, I just thought, look at this woman. Her face is radiant. I can't, I, I don't, I can't do the 230 thing, though. You know, so I'm not calling for that. But did you hear what she said? He will show you. When you consciously connect with the Lord of the harvest, he will show you. So let's pray together in a fresh way, with a fresh understanding of what missions is, saying, Lord, we will be available. Lord, we will be watching. Lord, we will seek to do this together for your glory and your honor. So as we get ready to take the offering, I'm also going to ask you just in your own way, 
to do what Linda was encouraging us in that video clip. Just listen. What is he telling you to do? He'll show you. So, Lord, we thank you for the generosity of these folks giving towards your kingdom. But, Lord, Luke 10 tells us that you're inviting us to more. You're calling us to be available, to watch. And you're, Lord, arranging situations and settings and relationships and contacts. So, Lord, as we take this offering, we also offer ourselves to you in a fresh way. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And Lord, send us out. In Jesus' name, amen.